Are either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. One horror movie is still dominating the box office. Do we have another horror movie to lead the pack this week? We will find out. Welcome to the Screening Room Podcast. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we're from MadWolf.com. And yeah, boy, it uh, just seems to not be slowing down. No. Everybody's loving it. Well, yeah. most people are loving it. I've heard some nitpicking, and that's fine. That's fine. Anytime you get a really popular movie, you're going to get some nitpicking. Oh, sure. It's good stuff. So we open up this week with one that's been on the horror radar for some people, including us. It's the story of a couple's relationship being tested when uninvited guests arrive at their home, disrupting their tranquil existence. Latest from Darren Aronofsky, it's Mother. We spend all our time here. I want to make a paradise. She redid all of it. Every last detail. She breathed life back into every room. Please, come in. Hello. Hello. He's a stranger. We're just gonna let him sleep in our house. He has pictures of you in his luggage. What were you doing in their luggage? They've come here to see me. Come quick! You're insane! You're insane! All I'm trying to do is bring life into this house. Open the door to new people, new ideas. I'm so sorry. That's a pretty misleading plot summary, I have to say. The one that I gave? A, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's basically about one metaphor that just explodes into 50 other metaphors that right. all merge together and have babies of other metaphors. And <laughs> yeah. It's allegories of metaphors That's and right. metaphors of allegories. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those movies where immediately after it was over, I started thinking about, okay, how much can we actually say? I know. I know. You really don't want to give away too no. much, except to say that by the time we get to the third act... It's it's nuts. Yeah. I mean, they just the cliff. you have to give yeah. into it. Yeah, you, uh, do. You, they really do. you, you really have do. to give into it in a big way. And yes. if, you know, we mentioned it's writer director Darren Aronofsky. And if you're familiar with him, you know, he's got themes that he, he does. that he, and that he and he's got things on his mind that he has returned to uh, in a number of films. You think Requiem for a Dream. Of course, he did The Wrestler. He did uh, The Fountain. He did Black Swan. Yep. He did Noah. Yep. So if you've seen one or a few of those. You're going to recognize some themes that pop up. I in think a especially big way. the fountain and Noah um, are really, really reflected here, and 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 then also I guess Black Swan. I saw a bit of that as well. But well, see, that's the thing. When we first talked about it, when it was when we just got out of the theater, you brought up some of those movies, and I thought I really kind of saw it in many ways as a bit of a bookend to Black Swan. That is funny because I think of the three that I mentioned. I think it has the least in common with Black Swan and the most in common, weirdly enough, with Noah. Yeah. And then Matt Weiner, who also writes for us, he saw it at the same time, and he thought it was just like The Fountain. So yeah. I think one so there of the you things go. is That's there, good. there are so many ways to read it because it is not a straight narrative. It is almost entirely metaphorical. So yeah. you really can read it in different ways. But what I think the reason that it still works, there are several reasons that it still works, but mainly for me, the performances all are, are amazing. Yeah, they're great. It's it's Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem. Who we love. Both yes, of them. both of them are great. Uh, he is a middle-aged poet suffering writer's block. She is his younger wife, and they live in this this big, very remote house. I mean, it's a huge it place is huge. out in the woods, and it's his it's his house, basically, for years that now they're living in, and it needs renovated because there was a fire. 
And she's very good at that. She's very good at... And that's what she does. While he doesn't write, she renovates room by room. Exactly. So they've got their their tranquil existence there. And then it is uh, disturbed. The peace is disturbed by, first, a strange man who knocks on the door, and that's Ed Harris. Always great. And then he is soon followed by his wife, Michelle Pfeiffer. Who I think both of us think will potentially be in contention for uh, she Oscar nomination. She nearly steals the film. She, she is fantastic. She is. But everybody's good. So yes. anyway, the, the wife, Jennifer Lawrence's part, because these characters are unnamed, You're right? Uh, she's wary from the beginning. But from the beginning, her husband, the poet, is very welcoming. Come on in. You're welcome. And once that starts, uh, it starts down a very bad path for the wife. And things just get crazier and crazier from there. And we have to be careful not to say too much. But right. I think the people like ourselves that were thinking is it was going to be maybe a straight-up horror film, it's not. No. It's not. I think there are some people that may still regard it as a horror film. There I are, don't. There are certainly elements that are strictly horror. And, and boy, he he knows how to ratchet up tension. Well, I'll tell you, by the end of the movie, it's, it's darn near like a Hieronymus Bosch painting. I mean, with all the stuff that's going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that he's throwing at you. But yeah, he does know how to ratchet up tension. And also, in this movie especially, I'm not one that is bothered, has ever been bothered by camera movements, shaky cams, anything like that. But the way that Aronofsky's camera makes sure you are disoriented yeah. was starting to get to me a yeah. little bit. I'll tell you that. Mm. Man, he really makes it dis- disorienting. And I think that makes it even more of a credit to Lawrence's performance because much of that disorientation is focused on her. Yeah, yeah. She she's really wonderful, and it's a an odd bird of a character. Yeah, you know, and it's it's a very different character than anything I've seen her play before. You know, because she's usually her characters are usually a bit outgoing, a bit you know, a bit of a loose cannon. And this is a she's a very internal performance, and uh, she does a great job. Everybody's good. There's some other names, a couple other familiar faces pop up, and. Um... Couple of Gleasons. We love all the Gleasons. <laughs> the Gleasons. Yeah, I was trying to figure out: are there more Gleasons or more Scarsgards? That's right. <laughs> and are they going to battle it out to the death? <laughs> they, they just keep having more. <laughs> I realize they're Irish Catholic. Come on. Uh, at least the Gleasons are. I'm the not Gleasons. sure about the Scarsgards. No, I don't think so. They're anyway, Nordic they're Nordic. Gods, I think. Yes, exactly. So they just keep <laughs> busting them out of out of sculpture or bronze. Anyway. The film looks fantastic. Absolutely, it does. There's no question about it. And it's impeccably put together, mm. uh, the way it's assembled. You, you said ratcheting up the tension, making you just more and more uncomfortable till you wonder, where is this going? Right, right. And then when it gets there, there's a. we were talking about this earlier, there gets to a point, there's almost like a breaking point where, okay, right here, this is where you're going to lose some audience. Yeah. And the rest of them are just going to go with it yep. and going to appreciate it. Because right, right. There, there's going to be some people that hate this movie. Which is, you know, aside from The Wrestler, I think that is the case of all of Aronofsky's films. Because The Wrestler and then to a lesser great thing, Black Swan. Black Swan is the other one that's closer to a very straightforward narrative, right? But a lot of people hate Black Swan because it eventually it becomes a horror movie. And that's yeah, not only does. what they expect. It, it does, does, yeah. But, but I think both of them are, are more streamlined and... Um, uh, less sort of um, almost surreal, whereas the other ones can be so over the top and daring, you know, narratively that that, that you lose people. And I, I admire that in him. Oh, yeah. It's very ambitious. Yeah. You know, and he is a very accomplished and, and talented filmmaker. So he's going for it. So, yeah, 
I'll give you give you credit for that. There are big themes at work here, big ideas, but still you can't really ignore that it is also self-indulgent. It's <laughs> it's pretentious. It's a self self-pitying, self-loathing. There's a lot going on here, but it's still at the end of the day for me and I think for you for both of us, it still works. Oh, to me, it works really well. Some of his more ambitious efforts, for me, didn't. So uh, a lot of Noah, I much appreciated, but mm-hmm. on the whole, I I didn't think it panned out. The Fountain, I I didn't particularly care for. Yeah, you know, and and uh, so I think of those uh, now. Requiem for a Dream, which is also a hot mess of a movie, and but tough, it's brilliant. Tough to a watch, tough watch, boy. But I I love. Requiem for a dream, and 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 this is, I think, that path, which mm-hmm. is very big ideas and and garish at times. And but I think that that this is the one that has, I think, come together the best since Requiem for a Dream. Two recommendations for Mother with the exclamation point. I love that, by the way. Oh yeah, love. There's an exclamation point in the title. Just kind of adds a layer. So we recommend it, but just know what you're going in for uh, right from the start. The other big release this week is a story centered on counterterrorism agent Mitch Rapp and its American assassin. I like your agenda. I know exactly what to do with you. Bad things happen to you. Now you want to kill those mean old terrorists. You think that qualifies you for my selection process? My guess is if you and I go hand to hand, you can probably figure out inside of 20 seconds whether or not I have what it takes to make it through selection process. So, what do you say? You think you can slice a man's throat right here like this? Well, in the movies. Now, the biggest thing that jumps out about this movie, aside from Michael Keaton, who's always has become such a welcome presence in movies, and he's solid here, as he always is, but this one is what they hope to be the start of a franchise. Mm. Much like the uh, Jack Ryan, the Tom Clancy books, this this is based on a novel, and I think they want to make this character, Mitch, the next Jack Ryan. Now, I don't think the movie has enough substance for that, but whether it will become a franchise, of course, we know, is based solely on the box office. Sure. It's Michael Cuesta is the director, and he did Kill the Messenger. Remember right. that? With I, Jeremy Renner? Mm-hmm. Good good movie. Yeah. A good movie a few years back, but he's also done a lot of TV in the interim. He's done a lot of, he's done a few episodes of that Homeland TV series. Sure. So, kind of the right, same, right, right. same themes going on here, but this one, yeah, centers on the counterterrorism and an agent, kind of the veteran agent is Michael Keaton. And then he's got these two protégés. The main one who I think they want to be carry on this franchise is Dylan O'Brien is the actor. He was in The Maze Runner, some other things. I wasn't really that familiar with him. Uh, and then the other one, you've got um, Taylor Kitsch. Sure. Who is uh, still trying to get a hit movie. He, whew, remember, he was the lead in John Carter, one of the biggest bombs in... In film, I think a few years ago, he was in Battleship. He's which was also an, an epic bomb and a horrible movie. But the pick... thing is, which I don't think you can tell from the from those early films, he's a pretty solid actor, and he's actually had some success as a character actor. Uh, and uh, sometimes I feel like maybe he's better suited to that than to being one of the leads. But in this, he's the villainous lead. Yeah, and that's the thing. He's not the lead, the main lead, who I think is going to be leaned on the new Jack Ryan, so to speak. But right. So anyway, you've got that. You've got the protégés. Who's double crossing who? Who you know is not telling everybody what everybody knows? It's that sort of, sort of thing going on. Can get very violent, can get brutally violent. Some of it not always that stylish. I think now it seems like so many people are trying to copy John Wick. Yeah. You know? Uh, so it doesn't always rise to that level. It, it's not that it's horrible. It's not. It's just 
it just kind of sits there. Yeah. And if, if this is the kind of movie that you like, a very violent action movie, this will fit the bill. But I don't think anything that's going to be memorable. And again, probably doesn't, for me, rise to the level that's worthy of a franchise. But we will see when the box office numbers come in. And that is American Assassin. But always good to see Michael Keaton. Got a couple more to talk about in limited release this week. And the first one is a story that takes us into Brooklyn's ultra-Orthodox Jewish community. A widower battles for custody of his son. It's a drama performed entirely in Yiddish, and it explores the nature of faith and the price of parenthood in Menashe. And it's the feature narrative debut for a co-writer and director named Joshua Z. Weinstein. And he's done a lot of uh, documentary shorts, mm-hmm. uh, but this, as we said, is his first feature. And it's, it's so incredibly detailed and authentic. It really has the feel that is not too far removed from a documentary. It feels like it, it's embedded. In this in this man's house, in this man's community. It really is. And it, even though it's filmed entirely in Yiddish, the director doesn't speak Yiddish, didn't speak Yiddish. So wow. that immediately reminded me of that movie, The Tribe, right. which was done um, entirely in sign language. And not American sign not language. Not American sign language by a, a director who didn't know sign language. Right. So uh, the director here had an interpreter uh, on the set, and it, and it just adds to the authenticity. And it's so intimate in this story of the of the Hasidic community and the father who um, his wife, he's a widower, his wife has been dead just about a year. They're planning a memorial dinner for her and he has been resisting all efforts within his community of matchmaking. Uh, even though he knows that as long as he is a single parent in a single parent home, according to the church teachings, his home is not fit for his young son, his teenage son. The, his son has to live with the uh, the uncle and their family until he marries again and has a two-parent home because they equate broken homes with broken societies. So he's trying to follow those tenets, but at the same time fight it because he feels that he should be, he feels that he can raise his son, you know, single-handedly, and he, and he wants to be with his son. So he's, he's constantly kind of skirting the rules and, you know, drawing the ire of other people in his community. And it's very interesting. It's such an intimate characterization that eventually, because it's done as well as it is, it speaks to more universal themes, even sure. even when it's being so intimate. Sure, and the, it's 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 such a tender, graceful movie. The way it the way it moves, the performances are are very very authentic, and eventually it just becomes at, at the heart of it is nothing based on any one particular denomination, sure. or religion. What it what it is is what the sacrifices that you have to make to hold on to what's important to you. Yeah, uh, and it's all personified by this one story. So I found it very tender, very graceful, and a very impressive a narrative debut for the uh, young filmmaker Joshua Z. Weinstein, and that's Menashe, which is in limited release this week. And one more to get us ready for the holiday season already. A mother must protect her family on Christmas Day from a demented stranger who is hell-bent on tearing them apart. And it's Dee Wallace. Nice to see her again. It's Red Christmas. So Dee Wallace... I'm sure you all remember her as the mom from E.T. And, but she's and got, the howling, and she's, she's got a very got a long ton. and storied horror career. Yes. And uh, Cujo and the howling and the original The Hills Have Eyes, you know, and uh, and so she makes a return to the genre here as the matriarch Diane of this, in this Australian exploitation film, or Ozploitation film, I as like they are often called. Well, you know, and there's no, we talked about uh, Mother and whether or not it's a horror film. There's no discrepancy here this is a straight up oh, why no there is not <laughs> there is not which is often the case actually with australian horror films is one of my favorite you know sort of 
nationalities for this genre of film. And so I was eager to see this. And she also, Dee Wallace also produces, which is impressive. And so she plays the matriarch of this sort of gripey family who've come together on, on Christmas. They're all adults. Uh, most of them are married. And this is going to be their last Christmas in their big, sprawling, gorgeous home because she's she's been widowed for years now. And she's going to sell the place and take a trip and spend some time on herself. And this man comes to the door Christmas Day, covered in robes and filthy bandages and reeking of urine. And they invite him, and she invites him in more out of pity than anything else. And then there's this awkward sort of long pause as they figure out what he's doing. And he's got a letter that he wants to read. And it causes her to have just a huge fit, and she throws him out. And and then that turns out to be a very bad idea, because one by one, in very, very much slasher mode, he picks off everybody in the the family are that is his goal. So the writer director Craig Anderson has some themes in mind that are not going to sit well with a lot of people, whether you're a horror fan or you're not. <laughs> and he carries out the themes in some very gory ways. Again, that, you know, I mean, this is going to have a niche market uh, very seriously. There is something very provocative and intriguing about his story and about sort of the way he goes about covering it. And, and in many cases, I found this film to be very interesting. And also incredibly stupid when it relies on <laughs> such well-worn horror slasher tropes. I swear to you, at one point, every single character in this movie says, stay right here. I'll be back. And you think to yourself, why? Why are you going that way? Why is he standing there? You're both going to die. And then, of course, they both die. So they're so, I mean, every character does it. it. It gets to the point where it's almost comical and yet isn't so it's just it's such a mixed bag this one and and so i think that there's probably a small market that will really really appreciate what he's doing and the way he carries it out and, and then i think there's another market that will be offended by what he's doing and the way he carries it out and then i think there'll be a larger market who's just like this is dumb <laughs> so very tempered i guess <laughs> recommendation okay. just as you said with mother yeah. know what you're getting into yeah and that is red christmas and by the way if you haven't guessed the horror genre is particularly close to our hearts so if you're like that too you might check out our other podcast which is called fright club look you, it up look it up you can find that on apple Podcasts. you can also find it on our, on our main website which is madwolf.com. Love to have you be a Fright Clubber. Checking out the home video releases this week, VOD, DVD, Blu-ray, the whole bit. Well, very quickly, The Mummy is out. No. 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 Let's move on. <clears throat> okay, the other one, one of the other ones that we loved is called It Comes at Night. This is Trey Edward Schultz, his follow-up to Krisha, which not a lot of people saw, but it was a tremendous debut. This one really ratchets up the potential and really marks him as as a filmmaker to watch. This is a family set inside a desolate home, and there's some sort of threat that's terrorizing the world. And this one man, played by Joel Edgerton, has established a, a tenuous domestic order with his wife and his son. And then a desperate young family arrives seeking refuge and throws everything kind of into disarray. And this one, I'll be fair, as much as we loved it, it upset a lot of people because they really felt that the advertising for this was was misleading. But you have to... Remember, advertising is meant to get your butts in the seats. So I think the problem, though, is that if you go on to see a movie because what you like is a horror film, that means you're probably not going to like this movie. So that's what we should point out Understood. to you. It is a brilliant movie. It's really not a horror film. No, not really. What it is, it, as it gets to the... There are horrific events there are. that happen. But it really is a, a, a tremendous take on 
human frailty mm-hmm. and and paranoia and fear. And I just think it's really, really well done. But your point is well taken. Yeah, I think it's a it is. Uh, it's one of my favorite films of this year. Me too. And Joel Edgerton is amazing. The whole cast is amazing. The way it's filmed with this creeping camera. It, I mean, it's a brilliantly put together movie, a post-apocalyptic sort of, you know, thriller and really, really smart and moving. Yeah, agreed. And that is It Comes at Night. The other release, another release on home video this week, another one we liked. It's a holistic medicine practitioner attending a wealthy client's dinner party after her car breaks down. And it's Salma Hayek in Beatriz at Dinner. And we talked about, a little earlier, we talked about Michelle Pfeiffer getting ready for the Oscar season. I'll tell you what, if if enough people see this movie beforehand, enough voters, and I hope they do, I could see Salma Hayek getting nominated. She's fantastic. She is. absolutely agree. And she leads it. She owns it. She owns every scene that she's in. It's such a great characterization. And it's it's great to see her being given a, like such a meaty role. Yeah. This is she, her character arrives at this great big mansion right before a dinner party to give her client and her friend uh, a massage. And then her car breaks down and she can't leave. So she is invited to join the dinner party. And pretty soon you you know what this dinner party is. You've got John Lithgow, who's playing the embodiment of pretty much Donald Trump. More or less. Uh, and then, you know, the other couples that cronies. are cronies, you know, kissing his butt. And they're they're all rich and they all are the one percenters. Yes. And pretty soon you've got after a few glasses of wine, Beatrice wants to stand up to him. So you've got the resistance taking on, you know, Trump's America. And it's it's very thinly veiled in that regard. It is. And, I mean, the movie itself has some weaknesses, but... It I'm, does. I'm questioning and, and the ending. The, she's not the... Yeah, she's not the only great performance, though. I think the entire ensemble is very, very strong. But it's so worth seeing. It really is. The The ending is very... can be a little questionable. Yeah. I'm not quite sure that's what we would have done. But... And it also... When it trades the more... Uh, subtle dialogue for for bigger speechifying exactly that's when it kind of lost me a little bit but still i think we both both liked it a lot yes i think it's worth seeing and especially we hope that salma hayek gets some consideration come awards time and that's beatrice at dinner out this week on home video looking to next week well we're going to be on vacation so we won't be able to talk to you about these but coming out in the theaters next week it's kingsman the golden circle and the Lego Ninjago movie, but we will have uh, some of our other writers from our website covering these movies, and you can check out the written reviews next week. We will be posting those on our website at madwolf.com, so please check those out if you can. So let us know, especially what you thought of Mother this week. Love to hear from different points of view on Mother, because that really, really invites conversation. So so if you... (laughs) (laughs) And more. So if you have something, uh, let us know. Best way to keep the conversation going is on Twitter, and that is at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. As we said, the main website is MadWolf.com. Also, Mad Wolf Columbus on Facebook and Instagram. Love to have you get in touch. And the Screening Room Podcast is a presentation of the Columbus Radio Group and MadWolf.com. So until, well, I guess until two weeks from now, I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.